Oh, hello, my fine friends. It's me, Richard Herring. Uh, welcome to another Rahalastapa. I'm currently uh, on location in Wales where I'm filming in this beautiful castle, Magram Castle. Uh, yeah, Port Talbot, I think I am. I'm not sure. There are deer out here. I can't see any at the moment. There's a train over there. But welcome to another episode of Rahalastapa. Um, this week with the amazing Nina Conti. Uh, a lot of discussion about ventriloquism and who is the best ventriloquist out of me and her. And I don't think we left her any doubt who it is after this. Uh, why not consider becoming a monthly badger? Go fosterstrike.com slash badges to get loads of extras and to help us make more content. Check out my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash heartgateherring, uh, where I'll be back with loads more stuff, including my stupid ventriloquist show, if this whets your appetite, uh, on Thursday nights. Okay, my fan friends, sit back, relax, and enjoy Rahala Stepa with the magnificent and absolute genius Nina Conti. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a man who is sitting in a chair. God, it's really lost all impetus. It's already lockdown three and I'm already, that's it, that's as good as it gets. It's Richard Herring. Hello, welcome to Richard Herring's Let's Sing the Proclaimers podcast. Uh, I'm going to do a bit about the proclaimers in a second, and that's why it's a cheat because the P shouldn't should always stand for podcast. Um, but I was hanging out with Trey Guard from Nightmare. There he is. He's right behind me. Can you see him? Look. Uh, and uh, he lured me into his dungeon. Uh, he said he wanted me to try out his helmet of justice. Uh, wasn't didn't turn out how I expected. Anyway, he calls it Rahalastapus, so that's uh, that's what that's about. And so he's in the background. Anyway. Um, yes, look, lockdown three has arrived and uh, quite depressing. I'm assuming the people listening to the podcast are still in lockdown, even the people listening six or seven months time from this. Hello, welcome to whatever lockdown you're in now. Um, homeschooling is back. This is a disaster. Uh, and uh, it's nice, though. It's nice to be around the kids. The kids have been um, have got into the proclaimers. I don't know how they did this. Uh, my wife's been playing I'm Going to Be That 500 Miles and they march around the kitchen. So I've listened to this song a lot. Uh, and although the proclaimers are rubbish at doing the proper Scotch accent that I can do, or that it's almost offensive, their attempt at the Scotch accent, I, I think it's genuinely a brilliant love song. It's a brilliant pop song. It's just a brilliant song. It's properly romantic. It's passionate and mainly realistic. And that's what I like about it. The proclaimers will go out and work and give almost every penny to their partner slash partners. I'm not sure if they share a partner, which is more honest than saying every penny. You also get the feeling the Proclaimers like each other more than they'd like anyone else. But it's still a fabulous song and sentiment. Um, but I, I just as every time I listen to it, I just wonder if their partner slash partners have ever called them out on it. Going, Go on, the Proclaimers. Let's see you do it. Then walk 500 miles and then 500 more. I don't mind if you use the second 500 to come back here from wherever the first 500 took you, or you could just walk a 1,000 miles and get a bus back. I'm not bothered. But you said you'd do it, and I think you should. Hey, but listen, you were just a figure of speech, man. <laughs> Stop talking in that ridiculous accent, guy, guys. It's a bit offensive. You've done all the other stuff you'd said you'd do, except maybe not the havering. I mean, you might have done that. I don't know what it is. But you haven't done the walk in a 1,000 miles to prove how much you love me, and I've decided I'd just like to check. So off you pop. I mean, they'd have to do it, right? They'd say, they, they said they would. Uh, I've checked the internet to see if the proclaimers have ever walked 500 miles and then 500 more, which I think they should at least have done for charity. Uh, but uh, there's lots of people asking if it's possible to walk 500 miles from Leith. 
But of course it's fucking possible because no one, the proclaimers don't say I will walk 500 miles in a straight line and then 500 more miles. They could just go around the block as long as they've got a pedometer. Are you saying Captain Tom didn't walk all the way, he said, because he just went around his garden? You monsters. Um, it's a brilliant song nonetheless. Uh, and the kids larking around during it. It's one of my great memories. It's my first great memory of lockdown three. That's the beauty of it. So that's, that's nice. Um, We'll carry on doing all this. The Twitch channel is carrying on as usual. I'm playing snooker on Mondays and uh, Twitch of fun on Thursdays, which I'm trying, you know, now we've got lockdown, I'll try and make that ever more sophisticated. Um, other stuff may turn up. If you listen to the podcast, you can watch the Rahalastubas live, usually on Wednesdays. And I might be doing a gig at the Clapham Grand in uh, February. No one's allowed to come, but you can watch it online. <laughs> anyway, um, let's welcome my guest. Uh, she is probably. Best known uh, from Channel 4's The Feeling Nuts Comedy Night. That's what she's... She's also been heralded as the UK's second best ventriloquist. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, I've just been watching her today and, uh, you know, I've been making that joke a lot and I feel ashamed of myself because she is amazing. Will you please welcome the amazing Nina Conti, ladies and gentlemen. She's there. Look. That's Hi. Her. Hello, how are you doing? Yeah, good. Good. Second best. So who's first? Is that Paul I'm Verdon? The, I'm the best. Oh, you're the I'm best. The, it's me. Yeah, it's but you're, me. yeah, you're obviously the best. A, I'm making a joke and then having checked and that you, to see how good you are, I realise the thing you do that I can't yet do all the time, though sometimes I forget about it, is not pull the face of the thing that the puppet is saying. And that's yeah. that's the main that's the main that's the main difference. I yeah, think. that takes a while, doesn't it? But maybe your <laughs> maybe your puppet is more impassioned than mine because that's when it's hardest to disguise the emotion behind it. I did one. Um, I did a Christmas one where I did songs and I kind of did a few takes them because it wasn't live. Uh, and there's one of the characters that has it's a it's a it's a donkey. It's actually the first. This is the first. This is when I started doing ventriloquism. This is my first ever uh, ventriloquist dummy it's a donkey finger wow. puppet uh, his ears have come off but he goes, it's oh, like... oh, it looks like oh, why can't i die why can't i die so he's shouting and then i had to read i had to sing this song three times and my voice had completely gone and my whole face is just like i'm in so much agony as i'm singing <laughs> i used the first take in the end even though it was bad because i couldn't bear to uh, do that, but yes, it's it's uh, it's been interesting coming to ventriloquism. I've thought about you all the way through, of course, because you know I don't want to, I don't want to step on your toes, Nina. I don't. Want yeah, to, get off my yeah, patch. I'm, you must be, you must be really quaking in your boots. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> down, Richard. <laughs> Got a rolled I'm, up newspaper, and I'm hitting you down. I'm I'm self training. I'm not. Uh, my, see, my granddad. When I got into venture, I'll show you my ventriloquist dummy now. I was doing ventriloquism probably before you were born, uh, not quite. Uh, in 1986 or 87, I had this act. So my granddad gave me, th this is, uh, there's two of them. Jesus Christ. That's uh, that's Ali. He's got a joke. That's his joke. His hair goes up like that. Look at that. That's a 128-year-old joke. He's made in 1892. That's amazing. Yeah. And uh, so I've been, and, he's, and there's, a, there's a lady one called Sally. There she is. I don't use her as much, but she's a... Their teeth will fall down. Out, so wow. Have they got human teeth in them? Because some they, used to... 
Oh, they don't. No, they have this. I think I've brought. See, she has teeth, but some of them are broken off, and I think I've broken those, and so I'm quite upset about that. Uh, His mouth. What were you trying to do? (laughs) Well, there's a long history with this one, which we won't. We've been into a few times on this podcast, which we won't go into with you because this is a family podcast. Um, So yeah, so I was. It's uh, puppets have always puppets weren't a big part of your childhood, right? They weren't. From listening well, to other interviews, or were they? The, no, not at all. Actually, and ventriloquism was something I was like, very, you know, like f- from a distance, depressed by. <laughs> but I then uh, I didn't really know it. I didn't really know the good stuff. I sort of knew the kind of kids' ITV stuff in the eighties, which wasn't like it wasn't a turn on. No. But then I, um, but then this really weird thing happened. This little Super Eight video just surfaced from my uncle's collection and it was taken when I was seven or something little and I come bounding out the house there's no music or there's no music there's no talking I mean there's no sound I come bounding out the house and I've got a monkey on my hand and it is the same proportional size as my monkey is to me now and I got I mean I got a real shudder when I saw that I was just like no what's that that's somebody's fake that that's so weird because I don't remember that puppet right and there he is in my past so freaky wow so he's been there all along yeah and so... you've repressed the memory for some I mean there's a yeah. lot of memories I should repress about my ventriloquist dummy but I remember them all some terrible things have happened to me with those dummies well, uh, when but, I remember so... meeting monkey first if you could yeah. call it that when I I had stolen him off a, a friend of mine and then I used to make him hump things is what I did. This is before I was a ventriloquist. I just thought this this thing's funny when it humps, look. And then when I learned ventriloquism, I thought, oh, that humping monkey, I, he might be a good dummy. So I went and got him. And when I did his voice for the first time, it was a moment like, you know, it was a moment like the film Magical. So it was a bit like, you know me, like this, yeah. you're already there. And you know, it, so I did have a moment. So, like did that. you have the voice straight, the, the same voice, more or less, straight away, or was it? Or does it was it? Straight I don't the... remember trying many voices. Right. I, I got to say, he spoke with it. Uh, that me, well, you know, you see a face and you think, how would it talk? And I thought it should have a sort of low, important sure. voice as low as I can go. It's I. Well, I'm, I've always been fascinated by. I mean, I've always been fascinated by puppets. The more I real look at it, I, all the shows I loved as kids were. The puppet shows this Twitch show I'm doing is sort of a sort of homage, like taking down slash I don't know what copy of all the kind of things that I uh, I saw as a kid really, but just done sort of by a madman in an attic in a sort of postmodern you know going mad sort of way. Yeah. Um, but I but I've you know I've always, from that very first donkey that's the first laugh I remember getting is doing doing a show with that donkey and a little horse behind the sofa and my nan and then my mum really laughing. So that literally is the first thing that. So I've always had this somewhere around. Did I, you I always sort of, say I can't die? Or what? Was no, it no, because I because I pulled off his ear. So obviously at some point I pulled off his ear. So when I found him, it, you know, he was in a tin, and I kept him. And I just thought, you know, he must resent me so much for. And and then I, I over the, I, I kind of looked it up on eBay and I bought uh, the proper ones. Oh, I can't mind. Where is he? Oh, there he is. And so here's somebody who's looked up. Well, I then this one. This they're 50 years old. These puppets. They haven't even. Wow. That's not been out there. That's not been out of the box. No one's ever played with it. Right. And that's that's what he should look like. So I've pulled off his ears. Well, I mean, but, you know, neither of them is... look anything like a donkey stick, <laughs> <really>. <laughs> No, his ears have gone a bit wild. But, you know, that's – so they've got a – they've got a 
a dichotomy between them in that he's loved and played with and destroyed, and he's been in a box for fifty years and not. And you know who is who should be saddest out of those two? But the it's is him um, is oh. the answer. But uh, <laughs> it's. It's sort of, I find it interesting having because I keep on getting sent puppets or finding puppets or finding. Uh, I do a, I have a, a marmite lid that I that has a face on it that I do. You know, I'll just bring you up to speed. That's my marmite lid. There was someone that he's a character. He tries to do stand up comedy. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're everywhere. I'm looking at that. <laughs> I think with my headphones. Oh, yes. You know, with a little. We got that's almost one. Yeah, they, I mean, good. they're very they're very available to you once you start looking. But what <laughs> you do, but. The, the, <laughs> <laughs> this is what you do, though, in your—I mean, your current act or your latest act. You can't do it currently, I'm sure, on stage. Um, although there are masks involved, I think the masks are probably the most dangerous masks for sort of spreading COVID. But you basically turn an audience member into a, uh, or audience members into into your dummies, and and then I'm guessing you just look at them and are creating the character on the hoof, or do you have yeah. sort of stock characters you go with? Because it see they seem to be. Straight out of the box, you get who that you see. You see them, and you work out who they're going to be. Yeah, it's it, only exciting around? if you do that. Really, I, I think yeah. it, 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 you try and say what you think they're thinking, even if it's this is just awful. When when can I sit down? Whatever it is, it's. Yeah, yeah. I used to go against type and think, well, that would be funny if someone meek says, "I'm going to dance and let me go crazy," but then I I start find it funnier when I didn't go against type and I just try and get an alignment and see yeah. where they lead me and then it's it's much more fun I've been me. watching quite a bit of it today and it's just it's just it's it's amazing it's very entertaining it's wonderful how um people join in or even if they don't join in it's still wonderful but if they join in a little bit or it's sometimes they're joining in a lot and it's it's a really lovely bit of audience participation I think in that it's not humiliating uh, but people can join in. But I just love the way the voices come and you've got the voice and you've got the character straight away based on looking at it. But I think that's one of the characters I've got is this, uh, is literally this. Um... Now, this is a puppet we made for something else and we never really used. And then it got Chris Evans, not that one, the one we've been talking to before, and sent it to me in the post. It's, it's King Midas, right? I had a character called King Midas that we wanted to bring back then we never did. And then he arrived in a box and I was with my kids when I got him out of the box and I just got him out of the box and he went, ha ha, I'm the king of the world. And that was just the character. The kids really loved it. Right. Yeah. He just kept on saying, I'm the king of the world. Yeah. And Sometimes that's all voice. you need is one line. Yeah. 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 But yeah. it was, but it was like he was there and he came out and he was speaking and it wasn't a con. It didn't feel like a conscious decision by me to make him that. It's interesting, isn't it? I was listening to uh, Stephen King talking about writing on his on writing book. And he's saying, like, in fiction, the worst thing you can do is lie. Don't lie when you're writing. And it's the same with a puppet. You think you, you could lie and make it say, but you know when you are. You know when it doesn't like what you're making <laughs> it say or, or when you say the thing that suits it. It feels like you're lying when you're... <laughs> I don't know. If I make Monkey say something or someone else has written it, I'm like, he's not... No, sure. you can't say this. Weird. I mean, it's it's... Now, look, I've, I always had this theory, and you, I hope, I mean, we don't know what you're like in your personal life, but I'm assuming you are the exception that proves the rule, and I'm hoping that I'm also the exception that proves the rules. But it seems to me most ventriloquists are either pretty crazy or are sort of slightly dangerous offenders of some kind. Mm. 
Uh, and do you think they were like that first, or do you think that the being a ventriloquist sent them mad and slightly bad? I think there's a therapeutic thing about it, actually. So maybe they were worse before. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. I I think it. It's well. I mean, I've been to the ventriloquist convention and met hundreds of them, and they're very yeah. like actually kind of sweet people, very accepting, yeah. um, and uh, and also quite happy to be in the shadow. And they'll meet in corridors and let their ostriches talk to each other and stuff. It's sort of sweet. They're like dog owners. Uh, <laughs> but is it? Do you think is is it a step back to? I mean, that's what I. It, there's loads and loads of interesting things, and I think it's sort of the essence of comedy. It's about is it stepping back to play as a kid? I watch my three year old, and he has his dolls, and he'll go. They're having a little conversation. Uh-huh. Are we stepping back to that? Are we finding something sort yeah. of pure and childlike in that? I or was very it- quiet at school. I think when yeah. I first got to school, I did stand in the playground and wait for break time to end. I mean, I was not trying to get any sympathy. I was just, I was unsocialized. I'd not played with other kids and didn't know what they were. And I remember just standing thinking, I don't, I got to just get through this day. And hopefully, you know, took me ages to talk to anyone. So I feel like what I've done in my show is create a playground where I'm completely in charge. And no one even else gets to talk, only me. It's a, it's a sick vendetta. Um, I don't know. I mean, it definitely helps express it. Uh, that's the obvious thing. It helps you express yourself if, you've, if you're a little bit, um, I don't know, inhibited. It really releases. But as you get older, you care less. So I'm kind of less in need of it in my 40s than I was in my 20s. In my 20s, it was like, oh, finally, you know, a pen I can write with, finally a thing, you know, I can. But it's sort of like what, you know, comedy, I feel, is as a stand-up, I think you've still got that. You've got a voice in your head that is either, you know, sometimes it's criticising you, sometimes you bring it out and and let it speak, uh, and sometimes it's just going, say, no, say this, say this, say this. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like you, right? And so I think, yeah, maybe if you're – if you were shy of being a stand-up or you didn't fancy being a stand-up, the idea of having another being, either a character, you can play a character and let that character say things yeah. that you wouldn't say, or you've got this little thing that sort of... But but I just find it interesting the way, once you get into a conversation with with a puppet, a mannequin, a dummy, whatever you want to call them, um, that it can surprise you that it says things you're not expecting. Yeah. Um, sometimes I get to the point where I've forgotten... A, 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 a person or something both ways around actually uh but he he will know what he'll give me the answer to what i'm talking about which i guess happens when you're trying to think of something when you're trying to think of a fact or something like that and you can't think of it sometimes not by not thinking about it you've, you find <laughs> you, yeah you it's find very it. similar so yeah so it's sort of like your subconscious but you know it's you're having a conversation with i mean it's great in a lot because i've been in double acts and you know, it's annoying having to be with someone else, really. It's great to be able to do it. When I started doing it, I thought, I'll review the news. I do it like the one, review the podcast. I used to review the news with someone else. And I thought, but will that work? Because, you know, he would ask me about the news and I would have a different opinion to him. And then, but then you sort of, but it, somehow it does sort of work with the, with the, with the dummies because well, I think because we can have two opinions, all of us anyway. Or... Yeah, but it's it's like that. But does it does monkey or or any of them? Do they surprise you with what they're saying, or do you 
Yeah. Are you are you always in control? I am in control, so it's not a total shock, but sometimes it's a right. bit of a revelation or you think, well, why couldn't I think of that until I yeah. put my hand in to fluff? And now now I've thought of it, and I think that's downright weird. I mean, and I think it's to do with letting yourself off the hook, definitely. You're not pressing. Your brain's in the way of yourself all the time if you're pressing too hard. Yeah. And so you sort of turn it off a bit and come at it from a different angle. And when I'm writing, I've been writing my autobiography for so long now, God, um, longer than the life I'm writing about. <laughs> but I, I sometimes get quite stuck and think, oh, God, I'm just whining. And uh, so I have occasionally put Monkey on and then he'll just say the thing and I go, thank you, <laughs> put him down and carry on. Okay. It really helps. That is good, and and I think what's astonishing about your your latest stand up, I mean your latest shows, is that they're completely improvised. Yes, pretty much. Yeah, which you know to to, and I can understand a lot of people say, "Oh, I'd be too scared to do stand up," and but like at least stand ups have the kind of safety net usually of like they know the material. I know you there must be stuff you you can do every night, but. But you are genuinely the stuff I've seen. It it seems genuinely improvised for the moment. Yeah, and it, that's surely a much more terrifying prospect. It's terrifying with, before you go out because you yeah. can't see what you'll be working with. But once you're there, you, there's so much data thrown at you already. Like the person you meet who's there has a whole way about them that when they start talking, you've got things to say. It's only thinking about it before you see see that stuff that's terrifying. Yeah. Is it yeah, awful before? Sure, I've, I've you know I've been improvising all, all the stuff I'm doing online. I'm sort of you know I'll think about it a bit in the day, but I'm basically it, it turns into an improvised, an improvised hour, sometimes ninety minutes. Of, yeah. of comedy, and God. I'm finding it very liberating. But it but it is giving yourself the permission to totally fail. You know, he's saying, "Look, it doesn't. It doesn't matter if this doesn't. This is. This is. I'm not. No one's uh, paying me directly to do it, so it's not quite the same as doing a theatre show. If it's a disaster, it'll still be funny. Uh, if things go wrong, it'll still be funny. But you know, it's it's. You give yourself that permission, and then actually, something will come out of it. And I guess because uh, I guess the, the the thing you do, and I think I suppose that it's slightly inevitable to do it if it's dying, <laughs> the, the, the puppet can have a can can yeah. mock you for the fact that it's not going very well because they can they can almost they're they can be the heckler as well. So you can sort of preempt any heckles by... Or they can tell you that they love you and you're doing your best. <laughs> yeah, they do that to me sometimes, yeah. They do do that. <laughs> you're doing very well. Given, you're given trying, what you're, you're trying. Do. You know, you did try. <laughs> I hate that feeling and it's thankfully not too often, but that feeling of having to lift a show that's lo that's low... Oh, it's the worst. And I do, I end up making the other people on stage reassure me. I'm like, no, 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 shut up, shut up. No, no, you're doing all right. Shut up. We can't have this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but you are astonishingly good at it. Now, I, did you choose to be a sort of smiley character, laughy character yourself in because that helps with the ventriloquism or is that just, are you genuinely enjoying it as much as you appear to be enjoying it? Or is that, is that just, does that help you do the ventriloquism? I am in a I'm in a panic of laughter throughout my shows because I kind of can't believe what's happening and can't believe what they're saying and it's an annoying sort of social affectation that I laugh and 
that's the one thing that when I watch back my shows, I can't fucking stand it. Looking oh, at myself beautiful. laughing, I'm like, no, no, God, die, shut, stop, you stop laughing. And I go like, like, like a rock like this. <laughs> I think I slap my legs and I rock. I'm like, what the fuck? what's wrong with you? Stand still. It's horrendous to look back on. But then when I think I, my very, very first foray into ventriloquism, I had a puppet a bit like yours. And I was, I was kind of carnal um, in my 20s. <laughs> and it's lascivious. Like if my mouth's open, my tongue's kind of visible. I'm like, this is disgusting. And then there was, <laughs> the monkey's character um, relieved me of that. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and is that more himself? I mean, he's not that carnal, but I don't know. It it relieved me of the side I was glad to be shot off. And I, I was kind of, yeah, I felt like I felt it's better if I'm just sort of pure and giggly. Better. Yeah, I think it. I think it's absolutely charming. I think it's wonderful. I just wondered whether it was, I wondered if it even just helped because obviously your mouth is a bit more, my mouth's quite closed when, I, when I'm doing my stuff usually. So your mouth's quite sort of open. Yeah. Because you're sort of, because it, it's to. toothy, so you, I just wondered if that technically. I'm just trying to get some technical technical things. Uh, I play with my hair yeah. a lot. Yeah. You know, I'll get like itches that kind of <laughs> in the way of my mouth. It's like I, there's a lot of little tricks I do. If if I'm coming up to a bee, I probably will like you know I'll scratch my eye or something. <laughs> <laughs> but you're you're technically amazing. I don't think I would ever have the patience to do it. But ha- is that a constant? Is that constant practice or did you just kind of get there and then? Because I've noticed even when sometimes when you yourself, you don't even move your lips when you talk. When you're on the Russell Howard show, you're kind of going to get, as you're going to get someone out of the audience, you're talking and you're not moving your lips and it's you. It's so you've got so You've got yes, so good at lazy. it. It's you don't... Well, it's <laughs> no, like you're so an good extra you effort to use the lips when you don't need to. It's <laughs> like extra muscle. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I've done a little of it in my sleep apparently and I do this in my sleep with Apparently, my hand is going like a little ghost. That's freaky, isn't it? Um, yeah, I don't. I don't keep up the practice. That's for sure. And I just hope that it doesn't leave me because when I get carried away, like you, you know, I get carried away. To stop thinking about the ventriloquism, and I can come off stage going, "Did I do the ventriloquism?" <laughs> But it's sort of, I mean, it's, you know, it does. I know you're talking to Adam Buxton about this, and there's a fantastic uh, Adam Buxton uh, podcast with you that went out recently that uh, discusses a lot of this stuff. But uh, it sort of doesn't. I mean, I'm very much of, I mean, you said Ken Campbell thought it's more important to have the character than the technical ability. So as long as yeah. you've got the character, people know it's not real. Yeah. Though it's lovely when you forget for us. You know, I think the, the beauty of it is it, it, people do home in on the puppet and start looking at the puppet yeah. and believe it's talking, even if you're, uh, you know, as technically inept as I am. So it's... Um... Totally, but all the the ones from Sesame Street and stuff, when they go out with their puppets and they meet the kids and stuff, no one even cares the other person's there. They're not <laughs> bothering with the ventriloquism. And I saw that happening, thought, wow, I'm really, I'm really doing a lot more work than I need to do. <laughs> Well, you know, look at that's why I look back at a lot of those, especially the seventies ones. I mean, Rod Hull, Emu didn't even speak. Emu was yeah. absolutely, I mean, absolutely the laziest thing in the world. Yeah, is just grabbing at people in an inappropriate way. Yeah, uh, with his hands. I know. <laughs> and that's, and that's an act. Basil Brush, he's down behind the the desk. The guy doing it. All the rainbow guys, they're in a suit or they're behind the desk doing it. Most of them don't even do it. 
So, you know, it's, yeah. it, it, it is, it's, it's wonderful. It is really enjoyable to see someone do it brilliantly. Um, my dad said that both his dad and his granddad who made the puppet would do it and just not bother trying not to move their mouths. And my dad is pleased that someone's doing it and me yeah. at least making an attempt to do it properly. Yeah, for <laughs> but, me, it's uh, not the main thing. And Edgar Bergen, he was, a, he was a big, big one in the 40s and 50s, I think. And he did sketches with Marilyn Monroe and W.C. Fields and all kinds of people. He was awful. I mean, he was awful. <laughs> His puppets were nice and they had a nice, like, they had a wistful kind of intelligent kind of relationship, but their mouth control was all over the place but no one really minded and then he went did very well on the radio so yes there's been a few <laughs> ventriloquists which is good yeah my 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 act goes out as a podcast audio podcast but you can watch it as well if you want to um and and so you've got a lot of i mean you, you inherited all of ken campbell's the, the, this whole thing i think we talked about it in the edinburgh fringe podcast but i'm not sure everyone but people won't know to. yeah no. well, so well, you and you not. you worked with ken campbell who is absolutely one of my heroes and i used to go and see his shows and now realize that i'm now the same age as he was in the shows that i was watching. shocking yeah <laughs> terrifyingly uh but i mean he looked a bit older than he was i think but uh um but yeah, he's absolute comedy <laughs> genius, and you work with him a lot, and uh, got close to him. And then, uh, and then when he died, he left you all of his his mannequins. Yeah, he left me every single. So how mannequin. many have you? How many have you got? Um, they were really ratty. His puppets. I mean, some of them were nice, but he lived with a parrot who had the run of the house and shit all over them. And they were, and the dogs, dog hair. And I was pulling them out thinking, well, this isn't even a puppet, is it? It looks like an old sort of (laughs) cloth frozen with some gross milk substance. (laughs) And then, no, there is a little, oh, it is a puppet. (laughs) So there were lots that were kind of gross, but then some of them were fantastic. And there was this Puppet, which was actually supposed to be like an old man, but he had used, um, oh man, I've forgotten her name. Who was that brilliant writer that wrote kind of repetitive poetry? Gertrude Stein. Oh, yes. He had her, he was using it as Gertrude Stein, but I, when when I put my hand in her, she she came out as my grandma. She was so like my grand, my dead grandma. And so that was like a quite an impressive, I don't know how many there are, there must be like 12 left and I lent a lot of them out to people who were starting and right. that kind of thing some of them you sort of feel like they they oughtn't to be sitting in a cupboard really it's nice if somebody wants to use them yeah and I think that's interesting you know again I'm interested in from that my very old dummy that's been used by uh, three generations of my family the, uh, over four generations um that obviously you're doing something you're picking it up exactly as you say you're doing something actually a different character comes out with the with the different <laughs> ventriloquists. And my great granddad yeah. would not be happy about what I'm doing with his dummy, though he might be happy that it's still, I mean, if you could get his head around what's happening, he might be happy that it's still going. That he's in use. But is yeah. the puppet happy with this role? Yeah, I mean, I think so. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah, the puppet seems happy to be much more sweary and unpleasant than he would have been yes. when he was being used well, by a Methodist. Well, he moves with the times. Yeah. <laughs> he does. It does. But that's, you know, but that's sort of, because in your a wonderful film, uh, her master's voice, which uh, again I think we talked about last time, but is well worth seeking out if you haven't seen it. But you go to the vent uh, heaven or whatever it's called, the the, the, vent the place haven, where all the yeah. vent haven, yeah, where yeah. all the ventriloquist dummies whose whose <laughs> ventriloquists have died, yeah. uh, they they bequeath their 
Which is and a terrifying sit, Like, would they sit just staring at the ceiling and they have yeah. little pictures on their laps that have like, their heyday, you know, them like uh, in, with an audience all laughing. And then they are like this. It's so, it's so eerie in there. And moving as well. Yeah. Some of them have, some survived a shipwreck, but the ventriloquist went down. And one was carved of wood, from wood in a concentration camp, and oh and goodness. through ha- having been entertaining, saved that the ventriloquist life. You know, wow, wow. Um, so there's it's quite an amazing museum. Yeah, um, it is. But you're sort of aware that's the other thing when you're working with them. They will, you know, they will they'll move on when the time comes when you're not any longer there. Yeah, they, they will outlive. move on. They'll live another life. It seems sad to me that those dummies are put in a in a room and I mean and terrifying because they definitely come to life uh, at night. But it seems sad that they're not being that they're that they're not passed down to someone else to use. I suppose they're not. They can't exist forever. They can't really. And I think I mean the the thing that spoils the the poetry of the thing is that a lot of them have doubles uh, that continue. You know. Yes. So I did donate Granny to that museum on behalf of Ken, well, Gertrude, Gertrude Stein was her name. Uh, yeah, I donated her, but I, you know, I had a, I went and ordered a duplicate. Yes. <laughs> so I could keep Because you've got, with uh, Monk, you've got, have you still got, You it's, it's a toy that's no longer available, right? Or it was a Yeah, mass, it's just a toy. Mystery. It's a bespoke toy. I'm not, don't worry, I won't do him for long, but I did, oh, right here, I wasn't uh, really going to do, I'm not actually going to do him, but see... Oh, it's not him. Never mind. <laughs> it's not the one I thought. Oh, really? um, that was a shit occurrence. Okay, yes. <laughs> he's there, you know, if we want him. But he they crack here. Right. Like those horror films. And yeah. um, so you need to have new ones after a time. And, and so have you got enough to keep? Because I, I heard on a podcast you said you've got enough for 20 years, but that podcast was about eight years ago. So have you, have you got enough for 12 years or have you managed to locate some more? Well, ones that I like because the different factory lines, they're just a little bit, some of them look cute too much and I right. like him looking a little bit fed up. So, yeah, I've got, I probably have. I've got, I mean, the way things are going now, there's no gigging, you know, <laughs> bagging myself an extra year on the end. Yes, that's true. Have you coped with this? I mean, there's no way you can, I mean, you could do what I'm doing. Uh, and do it on <laughs> do it online, but it's yeah. but yeah, because yours has become such a interactive show. I do monkey now. Obviously, I can't do the masks, but I've been doing yeah. Me and monkey have had some some nice Zoom gigs. When you've got a front row to work with, that's nice, and you just yeah. chat. And I found that when you're doing material, I mean, I stop through that way pretty quick because that just looks lonely and weird, and you're forcing people into watching you do an act I don't know I found it a bit weird and I found that like the chatting and the live stuff was that's how to that's how I do a better zoom gig right it's because I try I made a decision in lockdown to not read not to throw away all my stand-up that I'd done so far and start again yeah so I've done two live I've done two gigs with an uh, on stage with an audience but I've taken the I've taken Ali with me both on the the old dummy uh, and tried to do it but I haven't it sort of petered out pretty quickly because without I'd not have with I thought I won't do an act, but I but I also I have the confidence online to just blather on, but on stage I kind of clammed up and thought, oh no, okay, all right, I'll do two minutes and then I'll put them away again. <laughs> so I haven't quite got to I haven't quite got to that I haven't overcome that hurdle of going, yeah, let's just roll with it. 
and see if I can do this on on stage. Yeah, because that I suppose I guess when you do have an audience there, it's good because you can interact with them. But also, you know, the good thing about Twitch is I don't know if people are liking it or not. You know, so they I'm, don't I'm get living, to thumbs down us. No, I'm living in blissful ignorance. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I mean, if you don't pose the question, I'm not sure this is goes on from what we were saying. If you don't ask the puppet the question like it's going to know the answer, if you don't <laughs> believe in it a bit and commit yeah. fully to the stupidity of what you're doing, you have to commit to it. Say, so what it. do you think, monkey? You <laughs> won't get the answer. Yeah. You know, if you're like doing it for yourself or something, I don't think you'll get a freshness. So you have to be a bit, you have to be a little bit weird with it, I think, for yeah. it to become interesting. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I will persist. But like, the thing for me is that I'm so it's so it's so fragile already. This <laughs> this puppet that I'm sort of I and mean, there's no way back. I was saying this to you before, but there's if I break it or if I lose it yeah. or it gets stolen in a theater, there's absolutely there's no other one of these that I can whip out. And even if but, you did, I mean, I sort of I'm quite interested in their perspective. I've got a carrot. I don't think I, I have him to hand. Um, who is uh, a phallic carrot who comes from a new story, but we've we've had him made now. Right. But oh, here he is. Uh, he's a cocky carrot. Did oh. somebody say cock? Uh, and he sort of just does double entendres, but then I keep on quest- telling him that he's made out of resin and that his eyes can't see and stuff. And then he has this existential crisis as he tries to as he tries to work out <laughs> how he's able to how he believes he can see and think. Oh, I'm telling good him for him. Yeah. Um, and he's he's stuck. And he used to be a real carrot, but then he kept on rotting. Uh, so the, he's about the fourth one because I used to do it with real carrots that I just stuck eyes to, and then I finally had this one made. And he's confused because he thinks he's I'm the real carrot. He's a real carrot. So, yeah. Um, but it's brave, I Richard, like... that you do it with ones that don't have moving mouths. I know. Well, he's got. He just moves around like that. Well, I've got a wasp. I do have a wasp. I mean, it's that was dead on the desk. So it's, I don't know if it's brave, Nina. It's just not. It's not very good. It, it's uh, very serious. You're not taking it so seriously. The man asked me. The man who made it, Richard Ison, who's brilliant, um, who made that Prince Andrew I showed you as well. He uh, he said, "Do you want me to put a mouth on it?" And I said, "No, I don't think it should, because carrots don't have mouths." Um, that'd be no. great. But eyes, googly eyes. He would have eyes. Um, yeah. No, I like it. I mean, I think that's. I I like it. I find it funny. Something that just wiggles to. Yeah, me too. Well, but do you, um, you might you might, might not be old enough to remember Michael Benting, but Michael Benting did Michael Benting's Potty Time, which a lot of it was just like bits of sand. For, they were like tiny people in a sand pit, and they were so tiny you couldn't see them, but f- f- sand would fly up. When I can't remember that much about it, I used to love it when I was about three or four. But I think it predate will predate your childhood even. So, I didn't uh, see it, but uh, no, I don't, I but don't, it, but you know, it, it was it was much. more again. It's more about the you know creating some madness but uh, but i think that's i love all i love all the you know it's about the madness of the of the person doing it and the person and the characters he's, he or she is creating uh that i mean i think that's where you've always you know you've taken it to another level i think in terms of what what was happening with ventriloquism before you came along? What I had to do in the end was because Monkey was saying what I really thought. And I was like this fake addendum, or not ad- adjunct to the real thing. And I got I thought I don't need this bit. It's like she could be removed from the act. And then I 
I had a full-size monkey costume made and I went in the monkey and did stand-up. And for me, I was like, we've trimmed the fat off this act now. And the first time I went out, I did a, an hour of improvised stand-up in this monkey suit. Apart from the oxygen being really a problem, I found it so liberating and I felt like, fuck, I can do stand-up. I didn't, you know, I just I needed to know for me that I could do that. Um and then after that, people started to get cross. And I did a gig at the other belly, and I, there were so many complaints that were asking, is, is Nina okay? She never came out the suit. Is this, what was this? Like some kind of sick joke. Was it even her? What was it? It was so, it was so funny. It was so upsetting because I was like thinking, yes, this is pure. This is, and everyone wanted Nina back. I said, like, why do you want her back? She wasn't like doing, bringing anything. Um, oh, it's, it's not true. You, but uh, and and now the the act that I've that I've been watching you on online mainly doing this today, uh, you don't need any of the you don't need any of the dummies. You know, you you're creating your own. That's even cheaper. You're just creating dummies out of human beings. Yes, and uh, and God, making I characters up as you go along. Yeah, I miss them. I miss uh, uh, the. I really do. I miss that thing of being able to play with the audience and having like a night that's special to all of you that it was only that one show that one night and everybody kind of loves each other by the end it's such yeah. a nice thing but uh yeah one day well, it, it'll be back it it'll will be, be back. back but yeah. i think it's interesting that people do people people worry i mean i'm really playing with that that, that though the idea that i might be having a mental breakdown and i'm not entirely sure i'm not mm. i don't think i am but of course i wouldn't if i was but do people <laughs> do you find people are worried about your mental health when they watch you, or do they? They do. do they just, They're definitely. I yeah. think people do often ask, "Are you okay?" And I think, yes, of course I am. It's an act. I'm doing this for money, and I've created this. It's by design. And then it's funny because I I have a therapist, been in therapy for three years, and I talk, and I'm not as well as I think I am really I mean and it's quite funny because often my therapist will say well what would monkey say and I go fuck do you know what I'm lying I I'm lying to you I I'm even lying to me I didn't know I didn't even know I was lying about this to myself until you asked me what would monkey say and it's, it's interesting but I think that's but you do you get that with it because it's it's the voice I mean, I think stand-up plays this role as well to an extent. Like a stand-up comedian will tell a story that reflects badly on them and people will go, oh, phew, that's happened to someone else. You know, it's not just yeah, me. Yeah. That all of us are keeping up this pretense and all of us have thoughts that are awful <laughs> or, yes. just, or that we don't want to share with other people uh, or that, are, you know, or, or that are pornographic or that, are, you know, or whatever. There's yes. racist or, what, what you know, the unpleasant things you can think. Um, but but, if but they those come out thoughts by... can occur, but they don't mean that they're your thoughts that you stand by. No. The brain just like dr drumming up stuff all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, of course, yeah. But it, but it, to hear someone voice it or to have a thing voicing it, and the voice that will, uh, no, monk off, often just points up your hypocrisy or tells the truth about says something that you yourself wouldn't reveal about yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. He will reveal for you, uh, and I think that's it. It's it's. I know when you started out that uh, Daniel that Daniel Kitson was sort of rude to you, or thought it was uh it was cheap. A lot, I think a lot of stand ups feel that 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 having a prop of any kind is somehow 
cheating or not the real deal, right? But I just think yeah. what you're doing is so another level to most stand-up comedians. Any stand-up comedian is giving you a hard time. Oh, a fucking it- I'll well, never get fuck- that chip off my shoulder, though. They're, but I they're never a fucking will. idiot. But it doesn't matter about them because what you're, you know, because you're doing an act that is philosophical, psychological therapy, you know, but also is very entertaining as well. I think that's the that's the important thing, and I don't think it matters. I think sometimes comedians can feel like, oh, being entertaining is somehow, you know, not right. Is you know, it's cheap, <laughs> but it's not cheap. It's I what I really love about the. It's this, this a real mat. I just think it's magic when you watch the people who've become the the puppets and their and their their decisions on what what they're going to help you with. And sometimes they're really keen to help you, and sometimes they're reluctant. But then suddenly they'll pop up and they're doing things a little bit before you need to do them. Yeah, and, yeah. I find, it, I find them adorable in there yeah. because they're like they're a sort of an underdog, but they also have the power. And uh, you know, it's confusing. They didn't ask to be there, and there's like perfect clowns as soon as they've got. And they're but like liberated because be they're not really themselves. Yeah, yeah. That's it. So it's, it's like you wearing the monkey suit. Yeah. They feel they they can enjoy being a stand-up comedian. They can enjoy getting the laughs, and they're getting real, genuine laughs. They're they're, it, and it's just from you couldn't you know if you wrote it down, it wouldn't make any sense. If you said if you went into a TV club and said this is going to be funny, I'm going to put this mask on a woman and she's going to be a theology student, and believe me, it's going to be great because she'll just. So she'll pretend to be a kangaroo or something, and it'll be great. You won't believe it. But if you explained it, it wouldn't be funny. But to watch it, the the subtlety of it is so great, and the and just the human truth of it, I think, is amazing. But but it's it's a it's it's really interesting the, the stuff you've done around it as well, and the the shows that you've created, uh, and the sort of. You're doing a new, you're doing a new podcast, which we should talk about. Yes, I'm doing a podcast which isn't ventriloquism, and I'm no. working with uh, Shanoa Allen from The Pajama Men. Brilliant! And uh, we did these characters called Richard and Greta. And when you start doing a character, you know you you found something when you can't stop. You know, you can't stop the character, and it just keeps coming back. You can't put down the accent. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's really exciting. That's the first thing I've kind of created that isn't ventriloquism in a long time. And it doesn't feel that different because, again, it's a vehicle of a character that can say things that I can't say. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, very excited about that. That's going to be out hopefully the same time that this right. goes out when it goes out. Yes, yeah. Okay, we'll look out for that. But you were an actor to begin with, so and you are you still do act – Every now and again, but it's. Do you, you miss acting, or did you think this was the? Because it's such. You would never have predicted when you, you know, when you were when Ken gave you these this puppet and said, "Get on with this and have a go at this." You wouldn't have predicted you'd still be there in you know fifteen years time or whatever. No, I just but, thrown it across the room. <laughs> I go, what, what do you mean? I'm just going to do this for the summer. Or yeah. to have made a career, you know, to it's your actual. It's your proper career, you know. It's 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 insane in a lot of ways. I but still it's amazing. feel like it, customs in America when you used to be able to go there, and they'd say, "What do you do?" And I would say, "Oh God, I say I'm a ventriloquist," <laughs> and it sounds so weird coming out of my mouth. I think, "Am I really?" That was a weird life choice. And then one time, twice actually, some they've said, um, "Do some," 
I'm like, oh my God, are you not going to let me in the country if I don't do some? I'm like, oh, I can't. It's not good. I haven't got my puppet. And they're like, oh, show me a bit. And I think, shit, I better. They're wearing a uniform. So I go, hello. And they look at me like that. You know, you're not. (laughs) (laughs) They must be, uh, in customs, they must be more interested because they, you know, they spend a lot of time putting their hands up people's asses anyway. So it's the next, it's the next step in it. They're just going, if only I could just do a voice while I was doing this. <laughs> oh, that's human puppetry, and I never want to think about it. That's your ne- That's when you went back. When COVID's over, that's not a COVID. You can't do that during COVID. That no, but as but soon after as it's COVID's over, over, right up right there, in up to the <laughs> mouth. <laughs> oh my god! And then look at their face and see what you think <laughs> they'd say. <laughs> What do you do? You've gone insane. What? She's killing me. She's killing me. Uh- <laughs> God, I can't wait. Oh, dear. And let's look, let's talk about some stuff that isn't... I just want to talk to you about ventriloquism, and it's my show. Uh, th- that's what's great. Uh, next week, I've got Dr. Sophie Hay on, who's an expert on Pompeii, just because I like Pompeii, and I'm going to talk about Pompeii for a whole, whole week. A whole, whole hour. week? Great. <laughs> whole week. I'm, I probably would do it for a week. I can do ventriloquism for a week. I would talk. You you did uh, philosophy. You got a first in philosophy at the University of East Anglia. I did. Yeah, that's. that's a... You got a first though. So, do you know what the meaning of life is? No. How they can't give you a first if you don't. I know guess the... with philosophy, I guess it's not that different from ventriloquism because you're posing. <laughs> it's question and answer, isn't it? It's like upping the trying to get to the truth by. Um, yeah. I should stop doing gestures because I forget that this is not always going to be with picture um, right. but yeah I think I went I then got honored by the university that I went to and they were trying to link in the speech ventriloquism to philosophy and I think he did quite a good job because it was to do with ecstasis or ecstasy which is like a throwing out of the idea uh, uh, that's what ecstasy is and I guess okay. that's what monkey is it you you'd throw out an idea and then you argue it and so it's not that yeah it turns out there was a similarity I was, used to make a joke like once I was a philosophy student and now I'm a ventriloquist like it was a disaster but <laughs> I guess it's sort of like a direct route <laughs> yeah it's the same it's the same thing I think but you've got a very like a lot of people who who into philosophy are quite serious and you know and worn down by life yeah and that doesn't seem to have happened to you you seem to be very positive about life oh god I am I think I mean this is a hard time obviously Uh, no I don't even want to spend too long on where we are in the world right now but it is grim and it's very easy to get sad but there's like there's this mantra of you know you'll be all right. You got to keep going. You got to keep going. You know we have to. Yeah. Um, it's just too much, too much bleak otherwise. And you, when you see, I, it's funny the things that make me cry are just like these little efforts of um, someone singing or something right now can really get me. Actually, I've forgotten what it was that made me cry. There was something I saw and it made me cry. It was a gig or. Well, what was it even? I haven't done enough gigs and I can't remember. Sorry, that's a really bad story. But I found myself sort of crying at somebody making a joke or singing a song or something because I just thought, oh, it's nice. Sorry, this is real wank. (laughs) Can we we forget that I started this? I'm going to go on for longer. No, no, it's awful. There's no way taking it out. But I think it's not, you know, I think that positivity, that's, I think you have to stay positive through, life is so 
weird and surreal. And I think you either get, I think the people who take, I think I feel like you take it life as, you know, not, not seriously, but that you're, you see the comedy in life. I mean, and, you, uh, I definitely try to. There's something yeah. like if your kid's unhappy or there's something like that's very real and close to you and painful, it's really hard then. And when I'm writing my autobiography, the, like the sad bits, you know, I find themselves moaning. But if you can't like get beyond and look back at it with some sort of joke, I mean, <laughs> that's, the, that's the striving, I think. You've got to keep yeah. doing that. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm no. I, I don't think I'm like really cheery. Like my mother. My mother's so cheery. She will not let in anything sad, and it enrages me. I can't stand her cheerfulness. But it's it's something that I also love about her. You know, and it, one day when she's not here anymore, I'll just think about her sunny nature and weep and think, why was I such a bitch to her? <laughs> on Richard Herring's podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know. I just sort of think, you know, I've I'm start I've been reading someone has offered me a, a guest uh, who's a kind of uh, uh astrophysicist who I might get on but I might not, but I've been reading his book. Uh he thinks that uh, that that asteroid that went through the solar system a few years ago might have been some alien artifact, right? So it's sort of a slightly but he's quite a serious guy. But right. but I think I'm I, I know the universe is like really big, and I know the lo- that logic tells us there should be intelligent life somewhere else. I think we're I think this is an accident, and I think there's only there's only one planet where this has happened. Only to one this extent. Herring. I think there's only one of me. Even if the universe is infinite, I don't think there's intelligent life anywhere else. What do you think about that? Oh, I think that's a bit of a down, or I'd prefer to suppose there is. But, you know, I've got no grounds for it, but it is big. I know, but just the chances of that's what... I mean, not that intelligent, maybe. The chances (laughs) of being alive, the chances of being, you know, the the way that humanity understands so much about the universe and can do so many things, it's so dependent on so many accidents. Yes, through, and you know, and the, the dinosaurs were here for hundreds of millions of years, and could easily have stayed here for hundreds of millions of years more. We wouldn't be here, but all these accidents that have led to us getting to this point, having hands and things, you know, the, all these things that w- that haven't happened to other animals, even if they were intelligent enough, they wouldn't be able to manipulate the world in the way we can. I'm, I don't think I don't think there's anything else out there. I think it's just us. Well, I mean, you probably should ask the astrophysicist this question, no, not the ventriloquist. Did, I think he hasn't got a first I, in philosophy. Or wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's depressing to think it. Is it? I think. But you're I wrong. still think. I mean, Ken Campbell. He I thinks said, that what, there definitely has to be. He thinks there has to I be. Think he's wrong. Well, I mean, I also think you can't stop looking. You can never prove otherwise. So you have to suppose it's possible, but on some level, probably. I don't know. Ken Campbell, when I said, "What do you? What's your take on life after death?" He just said, "I'm all for it." And I thought that was like <laughs> about right. You know, never mind whether it's true. To bore me with whether I think it's true or not. I'm all for it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it's okay. Uh, I'm all for there being so. Yeah, I'm no. I'd like there to be. I'd like there to be. I just, I mean, I'd love it if there were aliens. But I just sort of think there might. It might just be with this, you know, not even billion, hundred trillion, million, billion, billion, billion to one chance. And that to me takes the pressure off a little bit. I don't think it. You know, we're, the, we're, that it's an accident. It doesn't put the pressure on. We're the only intelligent. No, ones. off. 
Because like, it doesn't matter. It's not it. meant to be here. It's an accident. Life but, is. People take life too seriously. We and even if even given we're here, we shouldn't. You and me shouldn't be here. The chances of you, Nina Conti, existing. No, definitely. Are infinitesimally small. Yes, very and small, very much. very lucky. We're on a knife edge, really. Yeah. But the thing yeah. of that lying on your back, looking at the stars, that kind of, you know, being stoned and looking at stars on a summer night and thinking how big it is and what's out there. You know, I don't ever want that to be taken away. That's the best bit of life when you get those little openings where you think, ah, it's big. Oh, oh, what? you know, those bits, that's the stuff I live for, I think, is is the free. It's still moments. big. There's no it's definitely big. That's there's no question of it being big, but yeah. I don't even if there is anything out there. I think I saw something there was a tweet from the Voyager spacecraft which has been flying out of the solar system for quite a long time now, 30, 40 years or something like that. It's been going. It's 17 Something like seventeen light hours away from Earth, just pathetic. Yes, it's been going know, for so it's long. It's very big. It's though, not even one, it's not even one than, light day away. I don't think it's anywhere pathetic. near. But you, how can you stop looking at the other bits that are way outside the bits we're talking about? You can look, but you can't touch. That's my that's my mantra. Yeah, you can't put your hand in it. You can't. You're not allowed to put a face on it and try and make it talk. That's all you're interested in. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. Mm. Um, <laughs> what, did you ever, like, there's a few things that came up, and I know some of these were for um, for programmes and, and documentaries that you're working on. Uh, did you ever, you were threatening to learn to do Mongolian throat singing. Is that something you have, have taken up, or has that not happened yet? It happened a bit when I was giving birth. That's when that came good. Um, but it was some, that was another thing that Ken goaded me into and sent me off to learn um, to even throat singing without telling me what it was. You know, I didn't even really know what I was. I just turned up some bloke's house in Forest Hill. He had loads of teeth. We seemed to have more rows. And when he, he took me to this little, like, fag butts and stuff in this house and uh, then he sort of started this singing that had two notes in it and I th- I was really freaked out and I thought this must be something to do with all those teeth <laughs> <laughs> um, but then he yeah so he taught me and then I yeah I, I gave it a go for a while I'm not very good at it no it's, <laughs> <laughs> that kind of thing so you can harmonise with yourself, is that? Yeah, is that... you harmonise. Yeah. Well, that would be that would be useful to be able to do that, though. Right? Well, it's good for pushing a baby out. It controls the breathing, gives that you something else okay. to focus on. Yeah, okay. I. I um... Were you tempted while you were giving birth to, to ventriloquise the the baby as it was coming out? No, I didn't. No, so no. you're not not that committed, are you? You're not so committed. No, not that to committed. The art. That's what I, if I could have a baby, that's what I would do. I'd For straight away. Straight, straight out. And they go, oh, hello, this is my voice. Oh. <laughs> um, that's what I would do. But Are uh, you I relaxing your face when you do the other uh, voice? Oh, am I relaxing? Let me have a look. Hello, it's me. I'm the daddy. Yeah, it's good. That's okay. good. Yeah, yeah. I can do it. And like when I don't think about it, it's almost better. The, with I'm, I'm good with the, as I said, the Prince Andrew one's the easiest because... He sort of mumbles. When I'm with Ali, I kind of do get swept away with it, and so I am reacting to what he's saying much more weirdly. So that's the one I'm sort of most comfortable yeah, yeah, talking with. I'm get, I get annoyed by him, and then I'm deli- I, I sort of wind him up and pretend I understand what he's saying and 
then he gets annoyed with me. So, yeah, because he knows I do know. Uh, and Giggle Doctor, this was for a, a clowning documentary. So yes, you, you... I studied how to do clowning. I actually like clowning a lot. It doesn't have anything to do with circus clowns and creepy clowns, like theatre clownings, like something about not faking what's funny and try, like being just you as stupid as you naturally are. Um, it can be funny if you get it right. And it's just really such a holy grail. People become obsessed and go on these courses. It's almost like a cult. They can't go, can't get enough of it. I was very interested in it because the people who do it well are so funny. But um, I, I was very impressed by a, a film I saw about a clown who worked in a hospital in Denmark, and uh, he really, like, he really lifted the kids' spirits, and they would forget that we're sick for a bit. And so I had this calling at the time to try and do this. And I was so bad at it. I just upset sick children and I had to excuse myself. <laughs> it was hard because I had a camera crew with me, you know, and there I was going off into the hospitals to help the children, making a film about it. I mean, the ego, it needed a big slap down. And uh, <laughs> that really happened when one kid cried and I thought, this is awful. Get out. But maybe that's good for like kids who are really sick because it goes well, you know that you're going to die, but at least you won't have to watch this anymore. So that's that's the, <laughs> yeah. the that you could go to those kids and the the kids have a chance to survive and you could get a proper one. But dressed all weird <laughs> and I'd like go and try and pretend I was taking an interest in the water cooler or something. You know, you have to let the kid invite you in. You know, so you just creep around. There. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's bad. Um, but then well, the ones Patch Adams as well. There's a very he's poor good, film. Patch Adams. Oh yeah, but the real Patch Adams is pretty wonderful. Does a TED yeah, yeah. talk pretty good. And as uh, when the the ones who are good at it, the giggle doctors are good at it, are transformative. So like a drop all kind of humour to get that in there. It is worth donating because with the good ones are so good. Sure, yeah. but you're not one of the good. I wasn't. So there's something. I wasn't. I was, must have been bringing my ego. You know how they say with animals, they can tell if you're pure of heart. <laughs> uh, like chimpanzees, they don't like assholes. They like nice people, and they can tell. And I think I, I think the kids were they could tell it was pure of heart. <laughs> that clown with the documentary crew. We don't. I want think. Her I here. think what it is is kids are able to. Kids are very good at sniffing out desperation i'm too desperate with my kids i want them to really think i'm funny and make them laugh yeah and my daughter especially is not having any of it so when i when i'm not trying too hard she'll find me funny but if i'm trying she can she just maybe she's just a little bit cooler than i am but she she's like you know she's the high status one in our relationship already my six-year-old my five to six-year-old daughter um so uh you know i think they can i think they know when they're being they're just good at, at sensing when when something isn't quite right. I, I mean, you and can't laugh at need, really, no. can you? No, it's a, it's too it's too painful. Yeah, but I, so. yeah. So that's when when a gig's not going well, it gets worse. Is because of the need. <laughs> One wants it, but the whole thing's a need. You know, that's it. It's a, it's again, it's the pretense because the whole thing is obviously need. You know, the, any comedian, however cool needs the audience to laugh at them and needs the audience to 
at least engage with the act in some way. I guess need can um, be funny, but you know, in a relationship, when somebody's going getting their relationships gone on the fritz, and they call you up and go, "But maybe they, they didn't take me because of this," and maybe, and you think, "God, your need is going to make it fly." Oh, we have to control this need because it's so unattractive. Um, I guess it's just exactly the same with an audience. We need, you know. But then need actually, if you are truly needy, it can. I guess it's funny. Really I think it can work, it. but yeah, I think on stage maybe in real life. In it's, real life, uh, it's no. I was a very, I was very need. I was thinking about this my like my early girlfriends. I was so so intensely needy, and oh, yeah. they and it never worked, you know. And I was just and everything. It was so I was so serious about. I just you know eighteen, nineteen, twenty. I just wish I could have been frivolous and not cared about it because it would have they would have all it would have all worked out but yes. because I was like this is so important and I love you and it's it's so important that we're <laughs> together and then oh we're not together oh that lasted three days yeah. okay I'll move on to the next yeah yeah heartbreak yeah. I know oh dear mm, it's tough I don't know how you uh how you advise people, kids, no, that, well, is, you know. Yeah. Then they've got to you, live a life. They've got to live for 50 years and then go, oh, okay, I know how I'd do it now. I know, but you don't want to playing hard to get to be the way of life. That's awful, isn't it? Anyway. Oh, look, um, we're. let me just see if there's anything else I really need to talk to you about. Look, I put, no, audiences puppets, I wrote in my notes, fucking magic, I wrote. Oh, that's lovely. Nina, Thank you very much. I'm very magic. glad you enjoyed it. Was, it. Out, people should... Check it out online for the moment, and they must go and see you. Were you touring when the pandemic hit, or were you were you not on stage at that time? Or were you? I was about to go on tour wow. to Australia. Yeah, I was oh. about a week away from the flight. Yeah, and then there was going to be a dating show as well. In um, I was going to do. I was doing a dating show with masks, like a right. black with masks. But I may still do that in Edinburgh. Oh, it will come. One. That will. It'll come back. It'll come back. Yeah, and then I also Dating had another show back. with um, with Shanoa where we we were Shanoa and the Buffalo. So I'm a full dressed Buffalo now, and he's he he's a human. So I became the puppet in a different act from my own. <laughs> so there's lots going on, and we will be back. I don't. God knows what it sort of that this feels. Just where we are, we're recording this at the beginning of January. It does feel like it's stretching out ahead of us a little bit in terms of getting back into theatres, which will be the last. I I always knew would be the last thing. I feel like we're in a submarine and it keeps going lower and you're asking, can we go up? And no, it's descending. descending. It's claustrophobic. But I think, you know, in in a way, in a sense, I mean, I try and take the positives out of it as much as possible. I'm Mm -hmm. not, don't think I'm as positive as your mum, but I am quite a positive person. And there's lots of good things. But I think we, that little, not little, that huge fire (laughs) through our lives will make us, when we get to the other side, I think, appreciate what we've got. And it's going to, I think there will be, I think the the first year of being back in the theatre is going to be, extra magic that is my prediction it's gonna be extra extra magic and the last gig i did was in brighton dome and there were it it was just barren to look at because it's such it's such a gorgeous venue when it's all patched up and then there were just like a a skeleton smattering all wearing masks not my masks you know like the covid (laughs) masks and i thought this is frightening it's frightening to look at visually it's barren but um they were so friendly, doubly friendly to make up for it, you know, from behind the masks that I don't know, those little signs of life are very 
it's very enchanting, <laughs> you know, the ways we're trying to reach out. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, it's you know, you keep doing what you're doing, Nina. Is you're amazing. I think the other thing I thought as I was researching you is like when I started doing these podcasts like nine, eight, nine years ago, I was kind of my attitude was, you know, why is everyone else doing so well? And you know, I'm I don't feel like I'm doing as well as I should be doing. And then having talked to loads of, and watched loads of other people's acts properly, you go, oh, the reason is because everyone else is. really good it's much better than I am that's why it's because they're much better and now I'm much more comfortable with that but what it's sort of so interesting to see you know there's so many people so many comedians doing their own thing and working you know that it's very hard to keep on top of it all is as a other comedian or as a punter I think and you look at and when you look at someone like you and you've taken what you've done and you've run with it and been so creative with it it's just astonishing and I just I just doubly want to say it just for all the stand-ups who have been sniffy to you because what you're doing and I've just I know I'm repeating myself but what you're doing is sort of so way beyond what most people are doing uh with their comedy that uh, do keep doing it and uh it, and uh, we will be back is there one piece of ventriloquist advice you can give me as a fairly novice ventriloquist that you think will make me a a better ventriloquist is there one secret you learned early on that uh that um... was a stepping stone well, the, the one I'd probably be interested, but you may already have done it. Turn off the camera, turn off the recording devices and put away the notepad and just you and the puppet alone have a conversation yeah. for its own sake <laughs> and see how far <laughs> you go. Uh, okay. Go deep, you know. Um, I haven't really done that yet. I've, I've, I occasionally rehearse. If I'm doing a song, I sometimes rehearse it with them. But uh, yeah, but that's that's about as far as it goes. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny because it, there's something horribly intimate about talking to the puppet when there's no audience at all. I mean, you really find the true nature of your desperation and loneliness. Of the, but, but also, I don't know. You have to do it properly. I don't know. That's pure ventriloquism. I would say that. Is there anything else? Like on a technical note, keep your face relaxed. And uh, don't, yeah, don't sweat the P's and the B's, doesn't matter. Yeah. Just say the, the replacement I letters, no one I can grow a no beard, which is quite, that's this, when, I've, when I'm shaved, which I am sometimes at the moment, this yeah, bit of skin scarf. wobbles around a bit. So if you've got a, if you can snood. grow a beard, it's a good snood, yeah. I could put a snood on. Yeah. Put a snood on and um, grow the moustache longer. And Malcolm Hardy used to put a paper bag over his head, didn't he? And do the worst yeah. ventriloquist in the world act. Yeah. Yeah. That's the shortcut. I'll try that if all else fails. Um, look, absolutely lovely to talk to you. Good luck with the new podcast. We will look out for that. Thank you. It's uh, called Richard and, and Greta. Let me get that in there one more time. Richard and Greta, Richard we will Greta. look at that. And if, if it's out by the time this is out, then we'll put a link on. If not, lovely. Uh, just Google that when, and it'll come up eventually, I am sure. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the fantastic Nina Conti. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Bye-bye. See you again next week. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you. Bye. You have been listening to Rahalastapa with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Nina Conti. Thank you to Pest, who play this wonderful music. I'm indebted to my friend and producer, Chris Evans, not that one, who does so much to keep this going. Thank you very much, Christopher. Uh, I would also like to thank Acast and Orange Mark at the British Comedy Guide, and everyone else who knows me. Thank you also to Kathleen McKeegan for some research and the excellent Rahalastapa, website. 
This is a Sky Potato Fuzz and GoFasterStripe.com production. Hey, why not head to GoFasterStripe.com slash badges, become a monthly badger and help us make even more content for you. Do check out my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash rkherring, for almost nightly fun, if you think three out of seven nights is nightly. Which it is, so fuck you. See you later, bye.